0: AM 1060 KDUS Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone. Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact, and the Buckeyes draw first blood, 31 yards. Barkley muscling forward. Barkley, what an effort, and he is in! Touchdown, New York! Zach Davies said last week he's probably made mistakes in the past with the pitch timer. And it worked out. It's the strikeout of Reynolds with two leadoff singles, produce a pirate run, and a 3-2 Pittsburgh lead. So these fans could see something that's never happened before in this stadium. Swing and a miss. Got him. Nice pitch down and away. Slider. Strikeout number four for Elder. Matt, it seems like the last few years the Rangers have lost some games on wild pitches or pass balls. Pete Fairbanks is uh, prone to the wild pitch from time to time. The set by Fairbanks and the 1-1. That's way outside. He gets by. Here comes Smith. He scores standing up. The Rangers walk off the Rays in the opening game of this series on a wild pitch. Rangers win it 3-2. It is a crazy happy house in Arlington. Arlington. And beat bullies his way inside, out to Harden for the three. Got it! Celtics are gonna play down by one. Ten seconds to play. Tatum, Smart, got it. Did it count? I don't think he got it off. Did not get it off in time. It appeared. It appeared to be late. They're gonna review it by rule because it went through the basket as the
1: time expired.
0: Dial 602 260 1060. That's 602 260 1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM 1060. And now, here's your Sports Zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060. And welcome to the Tuesday, July 18th edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. Ohio State University, should there be concern about the quarterback situation? Meanwhile, the Giants, should they have, the New York football Giants, should they have signed Saquon Barkley long-term? Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, what are you hoping to see tonight in Atlanta? Rays versus Rangers. Who would you pick if they met in the postseason? James Harden. Would he and the Clippers be a good fit? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments we we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 915, our week-long preview of the college football season continues with Ohio State University. Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch scheduled to join us in the next segment. Meanwhile, 930, it'll be Interactive Action, 602-260-1060 and also uh, the local roundup. That will include a Diamondbacks-Braves series preview. Also in the final segment will be the national roundup. That's going to be topped uh, by from the scoreboard from last night in Major League Baseball. On to the pipeline We go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, should Ohio State be concerned about its quarterback situation? And uh, Corey is here and has the early returns. Leading right now is yes. 67% of the vote there. and No at 33% on
1: KDUS1060.com.
0: Kyle McCord did not uh, win the job during spring practice, and Devin Brown was injured. We'll investigate this further in the next segment. In addition to the poll question, anything college football is uh, certainly strongly encouraged discussion. Not just this week, but basically for the next five months. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should the Giants have uh, signed Saquon Barkley to a long-term contract. And, uh, Corey, what do we have here? Leading right now is no, 61.5% of the vote there. Yes, at 38.5% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Barkley and the Raiders' Josh Jacobs did not sign long-term deals before Monday's deadline for the franchise tag situation. So that means uh, that, uh, you know, they're kind of, uh, you know, basically tied into the one year this year. However, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, neither Jacobs or Barkley expected to report to training camp later this month. Meanwhile, back on the local front, or on the local front, the Diamondbacks uh, lost some more ground. The Dodgers rallied to beat the Orioles, and uh, Chris Taylor hit a grand slam in the sixth inning. Uh, The Giants actually... uh, Played yesterday, but the game was suspended two-two in the eighth inning. They'll resume that game today in Cincinnati and then play the regular scheduled game. So the Diamondbacks tonight begin a three-game series at Atlanta against the Braves. What do you want to see from the Diamondbacks tonight in Atlanta? Meanwhile, Spain, the globe. Well, let's uh, just, you know the, it was it got wild last night. Let's say that in Texas. The first-place Rangers outlasted the first-place Rays on a game-ending ninth-inning wild pitch that you heard there at the top of the show. If uh, the Rangers and Rays play as currently constructed, who would you expect to win a postseason series? Meanwhile, sort of on the local front here a little bit still, but to James Harden, uh, ASU alum, uh, may be closer to leaving Philadelphia. A report that uh, Harden and the... His GM ally in Houston and in Philadelphia, Daryl Morey, apparently they don't see eye to eye at the moment. So uh, James Harden's supposed preference is the Los Angeles Clippers. Would Harden and the Clippers be a good fit? Meanwhile, uh, as far as uh, the uh, also no, that that's actually. All for the questions so in addition to all those excellent questions and topics in addition to all that uh what else caught your eye since our last show not exactly a trick part of the uh you know, pipeline for me but i kind of screwed it up so my bad okay uh we'll try to continue and make more sense that's the pipeline for today as disjointed as it might have been there at the end uh we will get to all your uh, these tremendous topics and much more during today's hopefully sensational radio program anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category so whether it is from that disjointed pipeline or a sports topic on your mind 602 260 1060 or you can tweet the show at kdusam 1060 or twitter.com slash kdusam 1060 basically the only rules are accuracy and objectivity if you violate the rules or if you're just simply bad, like I kind of was at the end of that pipeline, you will be the target of this. Bull! Bull! All
1: Bull!
0: right, coming up next, Corey, we we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by day two of our five segments this week, previewing the college football season today with the latest on Ohio State University with uh, you know, with uh, Cor- uh, Joey Kaufman excuse me Joey Kaufman of the Columbus dispatch so uh, we will cover lots of things regarding uh, the uh, once mighty Buckeyes in the uh, next segment Also once again at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time general discussion 602 260 1060 and also of course the local roundup. Kind of a modified version today. No Diamondbacks game yesterday, so we'll have a preview of the uh, Diamondbacks and Braves series that begins tonight in Atlanta. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. James Al West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night, starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're holding the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. After a decade of defeating Michigan, Ohio State has lost the last two seasons to Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. Out to the KDUS hotline we go for a state of the program update and a preview of the 2023 season. We're now joined in the sportsman by Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch. And Joey, good to have you on the show. Let's start with Ryan Day. He's 45-6 and six as the Ohio State coach, but he has lost the last two seasons to Michigan so is Ryan Day on the, quote, pot seat before the season starts here?
1: Well, not in the mind of Athletic Director Gene Smith, who uh, gave Ryan Day pay bump last year and was on the record with us just uh, a few weeks ago saying that uh, Ryan Day is going to be the head coach at Ohio State um, for a while, and he's the coach of the future. So that's his, uh, I think he was pretty forceful with his endorsement of the job that, that Ryan Day has done, and a lot of it is the record. 45 and 6, and and yes, there have been the losses to Michigan, but you look at the health of the program, their top five program year in and year out, Michigan just so happens to be one of those other teams in the top five.
0: Yeah, Day has turned over his play-calling duties, his offensive play-calling duties to uh, longtime Ohio State assistant uh, assistant and former Ohio State player Brian Hartline. Why did uh, the change occur there, and was it difficult for Day to relinquish his play-calling duties?
1: I think it, it still remains to be seen as far as how much of the play-calling Brian Hartline will shoulder, the The newly appointed offensive coordinator who had been the wide receivers coach Day has talked about handing that off. But I think he's going to still have a his fingerprints involved in the offense and, and have a say in how things go. Hartline has sort of been there their rising star. He was, he was promoted as an assistant in 2017, kept kind of rising up through the the program, uh, former wide receiver for the Buckeyes, and certainly has recruited and developed probably one of their most impactful positions on the roster in recent seasons A wide receiver. You look at Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, mm-hmm. who were first-round picks uh, a year ago, then Jackson Bitten and Jigba this year, then Marvin Harrison Jr., and Rebecca Buka, could be next. That's, so he's certainly, I think, been a guy they want to give a, a larger voice uh, was in the building.
0: Do we expect the ch- uh, offensive scheme to change at all, or is it still the same?
1: It'll still be the same. I think one of the reasons why they is is interested and is is maybe going to move forward with giving up some of the play calling is that our line is somebody who was on his inaugural staff in, in 2019, was the interim receivers coach in 2018, somebody who is certainly intimately familiar with with the offense. They has. Developed in the system they run, so I think it's really going to be a lot of the same stuff. I don't. I wouldn't expect a, a big change or much of a change just because they, they tapped somebody within the old building and that was cited as a, a perk for for Hardline. You didn't have to bring in somebody from the outside, maybe who was going to try to bring in all new things. But it's been a system they've been happy with, um, and, and certainly put up a lot of points.
0: Okay, on to quarterback. Um, Kyle McCord is the most experienced returning quarterback. He, of the two touchdown passes from last season, obviously not much playing time available. Uh, but, uh you know, and Devin Brown was actually injured during spring practice. Is there a quarterback competition uh entering practice in a few days here?
1: I, I think it's a genuine quarterback competition. And we've seen before, or maybe when Justin Fields was, was battling some some upperclassmen, and it felt like it was long uh, going to end up as Justin Fields as Ohio State starting quarterback. It never felt like a genuine competition. This this feels very much like one with Cal McCord and Devin Brown. Uh, they, they both traded off reps with the first team into practice. I think because of experience, McCord probably still is the odds-on favorite to ultimately win the job, but the way they were giving up the first team reps in spring it certainly lends you to believe that they're going to give Devin Brown a, a real shot to, to win the job, and they recruited both of those guys. Both are former blue chip quarterbacks. So I think both of them they they saw coming out of high school has the ability to be starting quarterback at Ohio State.
0: How would you evaluate those two quarterbacks? Uh, you know, kind of like strengths, weakness type of thing. And w- what are Day and Hartline looking for to determine the starting quarterback?
1: I think both of them certainly fit the mold of your, your traditional pocket-style passer. maybe Devin Brown is somebody who's a little more willing to to make plays outside of structure or move outside of the pocket. But what I have to say once in a starting quarterback is, is somebody who's going to, one, think, take care of the ball and, and not make mistakes, and, and two, really be a distributor. So there's so much talent on that offense, especially at the skill positions that they – they don't need the quarterback to be a superhero. They need him to be a distributor, be efficient, make make a lot of the big throws, but certainly but to make a lot of the, the short, easy, high, high percentage throws because they have so many talented receivers that if you can just get the ball in their hands, they're going to do a lot of damage.
0: I'll get to the school guys here in a couple of minutes. We're talking Ohio State football with Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. The offensive line lost three starters in the NFL draft, including Paris Johnson to the Cardinals. Uh, what's the level of concern regarding the 2023 offensive line?
1: That is probably the concern for Iowa State, if you to, to think of the scenario that will damage the prospects toward making the college football playoff and a return visit there it's the offensive line. You, you lost. Both of your starting tackles, I think they expected both of those guys to go, and Paris Johnson, DeWad Jones, who was on the right side. But, but Luke Whippler was a bit of a surprise. The starting center for the last two years, the first time he was eligible to declare for the draft, he went um, just after two years starting. and was, was only a day three selection, so I think he went pro earlier than was expected. So they thought maybe they were going to have at least the full interior of the offensive line returning. Now you arguably have the three, three, three biggest spots on the line vacant and with not a lot of obvious answers as to who those replacements will be there's a pretty wide open competition at right tackle and at center Um, and at left tackle looks like Josh Fryer would be the leader in the clubhouse maybe to to win that battle he's been a veteran
0: The good news I guess the best thing as usual Ohio State has the outstanding wide receiving group You you mentioned a couple of guys in the past and Marvin Harrison Jr. now what makes Harrison Jr. so good?
1: He is, I think, so much for them. I mean, he's such a complete receiver. He's, he's a 6'4 wide out. And typically, I think, when you see guys that size and length, uh, maybe they're not as smooth of a route runner. Maybe they're a little more awkward moving in and out of their breaks. They have the size, and they can out people, but they're not as savvy and quick as a route runner who might be several inches taller. But but Harrison really can do it all. I think he can He can really, I think, the way he moves as a route runner, he's very precise. Somebody who almost can the way his footwork is able to maneuver. it looks like a guy who's playing the slot, and they even had him line up in the slot a little bit in spring practice. So I think those are really the things that really, I think, give him an advantage is despite his size, he's really quick and moves well. And I think three also, just a really sure headed pass catcher. You so very rarely see him drop the football. And I think all those things add up really. I think just as complete a receiver as you'll find in college football.
0: Meanwhile, uh, running back last year, they uh, we were short-handed by the end of the season. In fact, Chip Trainham, who actually played here at ASU for a couple of years, was uh, you know thrust into the spotlight because you know Travion Henderson, among others, got injured. Let's start with Henderson here. Uh, Injury-plagued 2022. Uh, what's his status, and how much does he factor into the 2023 season?
1: He's a big, I think, X-factor for Ohio State because he was a thousand-yard rusher as a freshman and really had a breakout season. He was their highest-ranked running back recruit that they had signed in 15 years. There was a lot of high expectations, and he lived up to them out of the jump. The issue with him really last year was just injury. He broke uh, a couple bones in his foot and and really limited him and his ability to to make an impact and and do a lot of things he wanted to do. And, And down the stretch, he just couldn't. Really, appear in most games and ultimately had surgery in December and uh, had shut himself down for the, the playoff. But if they can get him back, if they can get him healthy, and he was ahead of schedule in his recovery from surgery and spring ball, he's somebody who could be a home run threat out of the backfield. That's not something Ohio State has necessarily always had uh, in the last few seasons. Get to go back to J.K. Dobbins in 2019, but the running back has not been the position where it's gonna. They're just gonna explode for these huge. Uh, that has been more common in the passing game. They've had some serviceable backs, solid backs, but nobody quite with the home run threat. And that's something that, that Travion can bring if he's healthy.
0: Okay, so we've talked all this time about the offense and, and Ryan Day and so forth. Uh, the defense allowed 45 to Michigan, 42 to Georgia. In the final two games, Jim Knowles was brought in before last season. Uh, to fix the defense, uh, how would you rate uh, last year's performance, and what's expected this year?
1: I guess it would depend on the scope of your rating. If you would evaluate Jim Knowles' defense games one through eleven, there was really a, quite a bit to like. They were they were improved over the year before. They were a lot more aggressive, especially from the linebacker spot, or, or able I think just to swarm the ball. It felt like a much more aggressive defense. And then the flip side of that was the last two games, all the big plays and explosive plays they gave up in Michigan and Georgia that were just so crippling to them. It, it felt like they were trying to be aggressive in some certain spots and, and maybe dial up some pressure, and it, it didn't work. It backfired. led to some of the big plays through the air and some, some busted coverages and then just some times where they, they couldn't fill gaps in the run game and Donovan Edwards took off 80 yards for a touchdown in Columbus, so that's I think their issue with explosive plays is really two-fold, both for their secondary and both up front, and, and that's the issue they're going to have to be better at. It. In big games, not allowing those those big plays, but you look at Jim Knowles' track record and, and the way he rebuilt the defense at Oklahoma State, it wasn't a one-year improvement. It was, it was sort of gradual, over four years, and he's been clear he doesn't have that kind of time in Columbus. People aren't that patient here, but... I think there's, uh, there's reasonable evidence to believe that they'll make another jump just as, as defense as did those Oklahoma mistakes.
0: Any hints as to how they might take care of the big play issues?
1: Uh, Knowles has talked about himself being a little more disciplined in some of his, his play calls and, and, and sort of regretted some of the, the ones that he called. I, I think maybe just a little more cautious in terms of when he's going to bring pressure but he, he, he himself has shouldered a lot of the blame for, for putting guys in some some circumstances and, and there were times when some of the big plays were a result of a missed tackle or guys getting mixed up in the route, but there was almost no help uh, when once the guy missed the tackle or something like that. So that, that certainly could be something they look at. But the Knowles, I think, overall has been pretty reflective on his role as
0: a play caller. Talking Ohio State football, Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch. All right. The defense has several players that are considered NFL level uh, players. Uh, so, who needs to step up individually in twenty twenty three on the defensive side?
1: I think you look. You can look both on the defensive line and both in the secondary. I think corner is really a position. Maybe they haven't had the shutdown corner in the last couple of years. Denzel Burka I think showed some promise. He's a he's a Valley native uh, for you folks. Uh, yeah. But he had a really strong yeah. uh, freshman year at Ohio State, and then just had some injuries last year didn't quite uh have the uh, at the sophomore year he wanted to they're counting on him to have a big year they brought in Davidson and and a transfer from from mississippi he was a freshman all-american he said i think they need to, uh, to have a big impact but then on the defensive line it's jack sawyer who was the other five-star recruit the 2021 class with J. C. two mo he is uh Hasn't been a full-time starter, but played a hybrid linebacker defensive end role last year. Now he'll be a full-time end opposite JT. So I think if he could uh, take the the jump, the next step they want him to, that will give uh, Ohio State two disruptive uh, pass rushers on the on the edge of the line of scrimmage. Uh,
0: Day and his staff have certainly continued to recruit at the high level. Ten of the uh, top twenty Big Ten recruits for 2023 according to 24-7 sports or uh, or right Ohio State how many of those players might actually contribute this season and who might they be
1: I I think certainly one guy wide receiver you have to watch out for Carnell Tate and and typically you don't always see wide receivers come in and and make a big splash the Ohio State just because the depth chart is so stacked but in spring Tate was getting some some run with the with, with the first team and certainly made an impression and i think you could see him sort of rotate and maybe make sort of the impact that gary wilson was able to have fresh freshman of 2019 where he was not a starter but had some big moments and some big catches uh gary had pitching 30 balls that year and Brandon in is another guy uh who could, who could certainly i think be back up uh mecca in the slot so those are i think the receivers i think could could rotate and have an impact but They have a lot of, I think, returning stars, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where I think a lot of these guys, uh, you're maybe not going to see them be plugged in right away. It might take a year or so just because of their depth.
0: Meanwhile, the Ohio State schedule includes a September road game at Notre Dame, and they have consecutive weeks in October, first up at home against Penn State, and then at Wisconsin. Uh, now coached by a former Ohio State player, an Ohio State alum, Luke Fickle, and final former you know, interim coach for when Trussell left and uh, you know, defensive coordinator after that. Uh, how would you look at those three games, Notre Dame, Penn State, and Wisconsin? I know we're weeks ahead, but uh, how would you like kind of uh, handicap those three games before the season starts?
1: I, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, two of those, I think, are going to be tough road games, obviously, at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin. The, the slate is very road-heavy for them this year. Penn State is a little bit of a wild card in that they always play Ohio State tough. Uh, they haven't beaten Ohio State since 2016, but every game with, with the Nittany Lions is, is, is a slugfest. And they have a new quarterback this year, Drew Aller, replaces their longtime starter, uh, Sean Clifford, and he was an Ohio native big-time arm. Ohio State try to get on in on his recruitment late in the process, but the, the five-star kid ended up figuring it out, staying committed to Penn State. So I think that's uh, the interesting one, is how good is Drew Aller going to be in year one as a starter? And does Penn State have the firepower now, quarterbacks, to, to really test Ohio State? But that game is in, in Columbus, which is a bit easier than having to go play at uh, Penn State in the white out situation, or,
0: or uh,
1: they're, they're that tough crowd in Happy Valley.
0: You mentioned that they always seem to play close games. Why does Ohio State seem to win almost all those games yeah. against Penn State? <laughs>
1: I, I think it's, it's some of the. Sometimes it's just due to the quarterback. I think Ohio State is that's where they felt like they've had the, the biggest talent advantage with Penn State. It's been at the, the quarterback and, and skill position guys. Penn State usually has, has a lot of good guys up front on both sides of the line and a linebacker. But Ohio State has really had sort of separation factor. Quarterback, Penn State hasn't always had that, that five-star, that elite quarterback, and now they could have an Alex, which is why I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch this year if, if that changes uh, the the dynamic.
0: Of course, the final regular season games this year at Michigan. So uh, we started with this uh, Michigan talk. Let's end it with that. Uh, what must Ohio State do differently to end the uh, losing streak against, uh, I guess, the team up north, as they say?
1: Yeah, I, I think they have to be better at the, at the, in the trenches in the line of scrimmage. I think that, that that's been the commonality the, the last two years. Ohio State gave up 252 rushing yards to Michigan last year, 297 the year before, and Ann Arbor. And and you can't win the, the rivalry game. This one, even even though both teams are going to throw the ball around, it still I think goes back to how you can can stop the run, and that's been the, the sort of the, the backbreaking thing for Ohio State the last two years. And I think, too, Ohio State against Michigan has been a little unfocused. Uh, They've committed a large number of penalties in both of those games. They had 19 penalties over the last two games against Michigan, and and it's been sort of a a baffling issue for them because they're not typically a heavily penalized team, but they've had a few, I think, just uncharacteristic moments in the game, and it might just be the pressure of the rivalry, but they, they can't have those especially with Michigan being really as good as it's ever been under Jim Harbaugh and really as good as it's been since the late 90s.
0: Joe, I appreciate this. This has been great. Um, uh, I'm guessing we might try to check back the week of the Notre Dame game, assuming everything goes well before that for Ohio State.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. It was great great talking with the season game closer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch will continue our uh, college football series, all five segments this week at 9-15, devoted to the upcoming college football season. Yesterday we did a general around-the-country thing with uh, with Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Today, Joey in the Ohio State with the Columbus Dispatch. Tomorrow we'll get into Florida State. Of course, Mike Norvell, former ASU assistant coach, now the head coach at Florida State. Expectations very high in Tallahassee this year I think justifiably high they're always high and some of them haven't been really I don't think justified in the recent years but they look like they're ready to make a run here uh, then later in the week we'll get to some LSU and some Texas as we uh, continue our series preview there are you know, five parts I guess it's, it's kind of a preview of the series uh, season I should say so that that's kind of the schedule for this week All right, next segment, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. That'll include a Diamondbacks Braves series preview. Go through some of the injuries, which we've uh, just kind of generally talked about regarding the Braves. It's amazing that they've been this good with this many injuries, especially in the pitching staff. So we'll get into that a little bit in the next segment. Once again, phone call time though, if you just want to feel free to interrupt at any point. General discussion 602 260 1060. You're listening to Sports Zone on KDUSAM 1060 and Cast HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard anything on your mind. Sports related, uh, 602-260-1060. And uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, feel free to interrupt if you'd like. All right, the local roundup for today. The Diamondbacks, losers of uh, obviously, they've lost four straight overall. They lost, uh, got swept in the three-game series at Toronto. They begin a three-game series tonight against Atlanta, which has you know the best record in Major League Baseball, even after losing two out of three last weekend at home to the uh, you know gonna be selling all their players off, Chicago White Sox no I shouldn't say all their players but a lot of them a lot of their better players especially the ones that are nearing the end of contracts uh but the Braves four uh they're 61 and 31 this season as you might expect they're good at home 31 and 17 uh and they they actually lead baseball in home runs they've uh, got an incredible lineup not surprising that they also have a National League best slugging percentage of 491 Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, not just these last four games, they're 2-5 and in their last 10 games. In those 10 games, they've scored a total of 23 runs. The pitching staff over that span has a 5-0-7 run average. So, scheduled pitching matchups for the next three days. Uh, Subject to change because we kind of thought Max Fried might be pitching one of these series, but at least right now listed the starters. Uh, Zach Davies, uh, four and five with a 6.37 earned run average tonight for the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have lost his last six starts against Bryce Elder, and Elder's done a nice job filling in for some of the injured pitchers in Atlanta. I'll get to those guys in a minute. Elder seven and two with a 2.97 earned run average. Uh, tomorrow night, the scheduled pitching matchup: Ryan Nelson. Uh, whose earn run average is now below five? He's been better of late, five and five with a 4.98 earn run average against Charlie Morton, who is 10 and six with a 3.20 earned run average. He had a tremendous start last Friday against the uh, in the win against the White Sox, the one game they won in that series. Then on Thursday, this could be fun. Uh, Zach Gowan, who has had some struggles here lately. Uh, but it's still good, and obviously started the All-Star game last Tuesday. Uh, Gallon 11 and four with a 3-12 earned run average against Spencer Strider, uh, who has some. He's had some shaky starts, including last Saturday when he got clobbered uh, by Atlanta. By excuse me, the White Sox in Atlanta, and he wasn't helped by Eddie Rosario playing left field. That was uh, he made a couple of horrible plays out there. Uh, Strider 11 and three with a 366 earn on average on the season. however, as I mentioned, there was speculation that Max Freed would actually be activated for this series, but apparently not. Freed is on the injured list for the second time this season. This time he's on the 60 day injured injured list. He's eligible to return any day. Uh, earlier this season he was out with a hamstring issue, which he that actually happened on the first day of the season for the Braves when he was covering first base at Washington. Meanwhile, on the Diamondbacks in the uh, in the uh, in, in the and the Braves both have their share of pitching injuries. Let's start with the Atlanta. First up, Kobe Allard is listed day to day with a shoulder and he's another guy that's been filling in for some of their injured uh, you know projected starting pitchers. They have four pitchers, the Braves, on the 60 day injured list. Kyle Wright, who won 20 games last season, the only 20 game winner in major League Baseball. He's been out with a shoulder injury. It looks like he's going to be back in early August. Nick Anderson with a shoulder injury is out for the season. Uh, he's a reliever. Dylan Lee, who's kind of been a starter and reliever, out with a shoulder injury. And uh, Tyler Matzik, uh, out with an elbow injury. All those guys on the 60-day injured list. And versatile relief pitcher, sometimes starter Ch- Jesse Chavez, who's been pitching for a long time. Has a shin injury, and he's on the 15-day injured list. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks pitching staff, uh, Merrill Kelly, haven't heard a word about Merrill Kelly for a while. It was believed that he'd be back by now. Uh, He had the calf injury with the blood clot situation uh, placed on the uh, 15-day injured list earlier this month, and we kind of thought that he might be back by now, but as I mentioned, I haven't heard a word about him the last few days. Uh, Dre Jamison, unfortunately, uh, he's out for the season with an elbow injury. That happened, uh, you know, the official official ruling on that, I should say, when we were on our vacation earlier this month. Cole Seltzer has been on the injured list all season long with a shoulder injury. Mark Melanson, another relief pitcher, along with Seltzer, on the 60-day injured list with a shoulder injury. And Corbin Martin, who unfortunately has been hurt most of his time with the Diamondbacks on the 60-day injured list with a lat injury. Meanwhile, uh, the Athletics' Jim Bowden included the Diamondbacks among his trade deadline sellers, uh, and uh, you can uh, you know, check out his write-up at uh, at the Athletic for that. But uh, among other things, uh, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, they they haven't had much production. He talks about the the trio of you know basically their top three starters. He includes Tommy Henry, who's done a nice job. He has a 375-earn run average after 13 starts. Henry and obviously Gallon and Merrill Kelly. But after those three, uh, he thinks that the, to make, a, if they want to make the postseason, the front office, according to Bowden, needs to add a veteran starting pitcher. I will add to that that they also need to add a couple of relief pitchers. Meanwhile, around the National League West, the Dodgers, Chris Taylor. Uh, you know, basically slammed the Orioles last night. He had a grand slam on an 0-2 pitch in the sixth inning. The Dodgers rallied to beat Baltimore 6-4 last night in Baltimore. That ended the eight-game Orioles winning streak. The Dodgers have now won six of their last seven games. As far as the Giants, they are actually are tied with the Reds uh, in yesterday's game because it was suspended, and they're going to resume that game today. Uh, with 2-2 in the eighth inning, the Giants have runners on second and third with one out uh, when the game uh, was delayed because of the rain. I had a deluge in Cincinnati yesterday at that point. Uh, the suspended game, as I mentioned, expected to continue today. 2:40 starting time, Arizona time. At least that's uh, the last I had seen on that. Uh, the Giants entered last night with a five-game winning streak. And 19 wins in their last 25 road games. The Reds entered last night with a four-game losing streak. All right. Um, Yeah, that's going to do it for today's local roundup as I look at the clock here. Uh, I've got some Cardinal stuff. I'm going to save the Cardinal stuff until tomorrow in this segment. Coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That will be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the national roundup that will include a little bit from the MLB scoreboard, uh, some uh, trade rumors time pending uh, for Major League Baseball to uh, two weeks from today is the trade deadline in Major League Baseball for the 2023 season. So uh, we're going to hear lots of stuff here the next couple of weeks we included a few things yesterday and uh, I'm guessing there's going to be if not an everyday update in the sports zone. Pretty close to an everyday kind of trade rumor update. Uh, part of the uh, show, this is kind of the annual thing uh, for uh, you know Major League Baseball at this time of the year. You're listening to the Sports on with Bob Cap on KDU AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Back. final segment of today's sports zone we'll get right to the thank yous here as always we thank you for listening special thanks to the callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else sipped through the cracks also our guest today with an ohio state university preview They used to be the ohio state university but i've taken out the since they've lost two straight years to michigan so now it's just an ohio state university preview with joey kaufman of the columbus dispatch also on Wednesday, by the way, once again, to, re- to remind you all, we continue our college football series preview for this week. We will uh, check out Florida State, uh, coached by former ASU assistant and sometimes sports Zone guest back in the day, Mike Norville. All right, sound of the courtesy of ESPN, Fox, Valley Sports, Arizona. ATL, a- a- 680 AM, the Braves flagship, and also Tex 105.3 which would be the Rangers' flagship station. Uh, Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. All right, on to a little baseball from last night. Uh, It got wild last night in Texas. Uh, You heard that highlight earlier, and I just mentioned uh, that highlight. Uh, Pinch runner Josh Smith scored on uh, Pete Fairbanks' wild pitch with two outs in the ninth inning. That gave the Rangers a 3-2 victory last night over the Rays. Aroldis Chapman, who, of course, the uh, the Rangers acquired from Kansas City in a trade late last month. Uh, he threw a pair of 103, basically 102.8, they say, uh, you know, mile-power pitches while striking out the side in the ninth inning. He ended up being the winning pitcher in that game last night. The Rangers now 4-0 and zero since the All-Star break. Uh, three of those victories have come on rallies in the sixth inning or later. Uh, and uh, you know, they uh, they've been pretty amazing uh, as far as a uh, you know their offense has been amongst the best and sometimes the best in Major League Baseball this season. The Rays lost the game, but it was kind of a good news bad news type of thing. Shane McClanahan uh, the you know didn't pitch in the All Star game because he was on the injured list, but he returned from the injured list. He had a back issue the last couple of weeks before the All Star game. Uh, He allowed one run, uh, actually allowed one run through, uh, one one hit, excuse me, through five innings and had a 2-0 lead in the sixth inning. They gave up a couple of runs in the sixth, but I'm sure that the Rays are pretty pleased. Assuming he feels good today, how uh, uh, McClanahan pitched, he actually retired 14 consecutive hitters at one point in that game last night. Meanwhile, the Yankees, they're not good. Uh, They're in last place and the american league east you know their record isn't terrible obviously because they had a lot of equity build up early in the season uh but last night they led three to one in the seventh inning shohei otani a two-run homer off of michael king to tie the game otani's now homered in three consecutive games uh for the sixth time in his six big league seasons and he now has 35 home runs this season that surpasses last season even with the win, the Angels, by the way, are 6-15 and since June the 20th. Back to the Yankees, they've now dropped seven of their last nine games. They are 15-20 and since Aaron Judge was hurt at Dodger Stadium, crashing into the bullpen gate. That was on June the 3rd, and they're in sole possession of last place in the American League East. That's the uh, first time this late in the season they've been in last place since 1990. That's a long time ago. Last night, the Yankees, their feeble lineup of late was even more feeble. They struck out 17 times. That's a season high. The Yankees also 1 out of 9 with runners in scoring position. Also, before the game, it was revealed that Josh Donaldson might be out for the remainder of the season. He has what's being called a grade 3 strain to his right calf. He's had calf issues since back in the Toronto days, and that's like literally four teams ago for him. Meanwhile, Nestor Cortez, who's been out with a uh, left rotator cuff strain, through a simulated game. Uh, the plan is for him to uh, have a rehab assignment in the minor league start on Sunday, so that's the latest with Nestor Cortez. Two, uh, let's say, uh, inconsistent pitchers. Scheduled a pitch tonight in Anaheim, Domingo Herman is five and five with a four thirty-two earned run average. That uh, includes the no-hitter that he threw a couple of weeks ago on June the twenty-eighth uh, against uh, a little more than a couple of weeks ago at Oakland. And then uh, Patrick Sandoval—you never know what you're getting out of him from inning to inning, maybe even like batter to batter. Uh, he's four and seven with a four forty-one earned run average this season, going for the Angels tonight. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone. We'll be back for a full three-hour block of local uh, pro- morning programming tomorrow with the Sports Zone from nine to ten, and that's the Extra Point, of course, hosted by Kayla from ten to noon o'clock. Ten to noon o'clock. Ten to noon. Just you know, there's no o'clock. Ten to noon. All right, this has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.